Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing The Ring 2002. The Ring is a 2002 American supernatural horror film directed by Gore Ravinsky from a screenplay by Erin Kruger. Starring Naomi Watts, Martin Henderson, David Dorfman, and uh, kind of want to leave some actors to the side before revealing uh, everybody that's in here so that it, for anybody that has not seen it, they get a little bit of a surprise when they come in. And uh, so it is a remake of the Hideo Nakata's 1998 Japanese horror film, Ring. Based on Koji Suzuki's 1991 novel of the same name, Watts portrays a journalist who investigates a cursed videotape that seemingly kills the viewer seven days after watching it. The Ring was theatrically released on October 18, 2002, and received mostly positive reviews with critics praising the atmosphere, visuals, visuals and Watts' performance. The film grossed over $249 million worldwide on a $48 million production budget, making it one of the highest grossing horror remakes. It is the first installment of the English language Ring series, and it is followed by The Ring 2 2005 and Rings 2017. The Ring paved the way for English language remakes of Asian horror films such as The Grudge, Dark Water, Shudder, and The Eye. Um, so let me give you a little bit of behind the scenes of what I knew about The Ring going into it. I will say I've been kind of on a horror binge, horror kick, you know, instead of a hot boy summer, it's a scary boy summer. I've been watching all of uh, the Freddy Krueger's original the Ring, uh, sorry, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen, I went back and watched the first four of those. I'm going to continue watching those to uh, kind of catch up on uh, the Elm Street series. I watched Insidious 1 and 2. I uh, found them on HBO Max and uh, Netflix for anybody that's going back and watching all of these. But uh, I used to be not a horror movie, scary movie kind of guy. I was always kind of a scaredy cat in that way. I was uh, not really looking at horror movies with a critical eye. And so with watching, you know, multiple repetitive movies made in all sorts of times, either made back in the 80s or even more in the early 2000s, I'm starting to maybe come become a little bit more desensitized to horror films and 
um, kind of breaking them down from the narrative standpoint, from the graphic standpoint, from the camera work standpoint, you know, looking at them from a lot more of a technical angle um, and looking at them more of, a, of like technical marvels and understanding how they actually work. Um, so when I'm watching, you know, let's just say something like uh, the Fast and the Furious, you obviously go to Fast and Furious to watch the stunts. You want to see cool cool racing stunts uh, and action and stuff like that. Just like you would go to a horror movie, you want to see uh, big scares, uh, you know, thrilling sequences, that type of thing. Um, Gore Rabinsky is the director of Ring, The Ring 2002. Gore Rabinsky actually has produced some of my early formative uh, movies such as Pirates of the Caribbean's one, two, and three. Um, he directed Rango, and he has also uh, had more notable films under his belt, such as uh, The Mexican, 2001, Weatherman. I think that was pretty good from what I heard. I think that's with Nick Cage, 2005. Uh, Lone Ranger was not so highly uh reviewed don't know anything about it and he also has directed a cure for wellness in 2016 he was also an executive producer for the secret life of walter mitty I, I wanted to go back and watch that but i have not had time to do that uh so yeah he has uh got an interesting you know filmography anything from like horror films to I'm not even sure what the Mexican is considered. I, I assume drama of some sort. Um, and then obviously you have the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which feel like they stick out in the, you know, in his filmography. It's just like, these are really big, big blockbuster action filled family geared movies. And none of his other movies really, uh, uh, really reflect that. Looks like Mouse Hunt was his directorial debut, and I, looks like that is a black comedy with uh, Christopher Walken, Nathan Lane, Lee Evans. I haven't seen or heard anything about that yet. So anyways, that is Gore Rubinsky. Um, I'm actually surprised at how much this movie cost. $48 million sounds pretty high for a horror film of this caliber. Um guess things were just expensive maybe uh i think naomi watts she's best known for what is she what is her uh, filmography da, da, da. nominated uh best actress uh, for grief-stricken mother in 21 grams in 03 she was uh and I Heart Huckabees, Susan King Kong 05, Eastern Promises 07, The International 09. The, yeah, I haven't seen her in too much. Oh, she's been in Birdman 2014, St. Vincent 2014. Yeah, she's been in some things that I've seen, but uh, she, this is really the first role I've seen her in a long time. She was in Mulholland Drive, um, 2001. So she, she has a, very interesting uh, filmography background as well. So uh, with saying that, 
Naomi Watts certainly brings an interesting gravitas to this movie and a, a certain uh, a certain speck of groundedness, I would say. But she's also allowed she's allowed to have a splash of camp um, involved with how you know how she's acting and whatnot. So that's a little bit of a background with Gore Rabinsky, Erin uh, Kruger, the screenplay. Uh, wrote the screenplay he this guy is known for the uh writing the three of the five installments in the original transformers film series revenge of the fallen which i think is number two dark of the moon number three age of extinction number four um so I think that's how that went. I know there, there was a little like a writer's strike around Transformers 1 to 2. I don't think he did Transformers 1. Um, but yeah, so it looks like he was uh, helding that. He's also the writer for Killers in the House. That's a TV movie. Uh, New World Disorder, Scream 3, Reindeer Games, Imposter, The Ring, Rings. Um Rings was a short film right after The Ring. The Ring 2 he was on, The Skeleton Key. I kind of remember uh, this following very similar steps of that. Uh, and of course, like I said, uh, Transformers in 09, 11, 14. He did Ghost in the Shell as well and also wrote uh, Dumbo. And he's also a writer on Top Gun Maverick. He's co-writing it with Eric Warren Singer, which is uh, kind of interesting that, oh, and Christopher McCor the director, Christopher McQuarrie. Um, so yeah, he's been on quite a wide number of properties, some better than others. Um, I'd say The Ring as a whole, just watching it and understanding it and kind of coming from it from, um, you know, as a, a, as a young person in 2002, let me put my mindset in it. I was probably about six or seven. So I was definitely not watching this in theaters or anything like that. I was actually like horrified of uh, horror films of this caliber. I was like, I could barely look at the, the, the movie posters or the, the VHS or DVD covers or something like that. I was kind of horrified when I'd go to the horror section in um blockbuster or something like that i just didn't even want to look at any of that because i was just getting i would just get so scared i was such a scaredy cat um so having said all that uh cinematography bozen bohan bozelli or bojelli i think it might be spanish cinematographer director of film commercials and music videos let me see. This guy's worked with Paul Schrader, Gore Rubinsky, Michael Bay, Doug Lineman, Abel Ferreira, Adam Shankman. Let me see if there's anything else that we need to figure out where this, this, the look of the film came from. So I do like the visualizations, the scary visualizations that are brought with the cinematography from this guy. He was a cinematographer for The Ring. Mr. and Mrs. Smith in 05, Hairspray 07, um, G-Force 09. Looks like he's kind of going into way more um, children's movies. This is kind of crazy. It goes from, okay, so Body Snatchers was the only other 
movie I've seen this guy or I, I've vaguely seen um, kind of in the horror film genre. Uh, I don't see anything else, to be honest, that this guy's Paul Schrader with Patty Hearst and Pumpkinhead right after that. I In, in 88, I don't really see where this guy came from, except for the body snatchers horror aspect. Um, was Dangerous Beauty? Uh, that was a drama film. Uh, I don't know. That, they just saw something in this guy that he could bring some visualizations that were going to be scary as fuck. And I think for the most part, saying that it grossed $250 million, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, I think that only needs at that time about two and a half times its budget to make its money back and to be in the green. So I think it would have made uh, almost four or five times its budget. Uh, it's interesting that he didn't come back for the ring too. I know Gore Verbinski didn't either because he was probably too busy do, uh, directing Pirates of the Caribbean. And um, yeah, seeing him go, the cinematographer bring the visual scary visualizations to the ring. And then they're like, Oh, we need this guy from Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Um, I was like, Hmm. Then you have uh, hairspray in 07, two years later. And then G force. That's like the hamster. Isn't that the hamsters? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rock of Ages. I remember seeing that in 2012. That was a jukebox musical. And he came back to join Gore Verbinski for uh, cinematography for A Cure for Wellness. This does make me want to see A Cure for Wellness, knowing that Gore, uh, Gore Verbinski was behind it. And uh, yeah, most recently he was uh, working on Peter Pan and Wendy, Murder Mystery 2, and uh, Snake Eyes had come out in 2021. Um, and I'd heard a little bit of Underwater. Underwater was an interesting um, horror film, action horror film that was with uh, Kristen Stewart as well. I mean, the guy has a very interesting uh, filmography as well. He's, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's produced a lot of stuff. Edited by Craig Wood. Not going to go too much about Craig Wood's stuff. He's, he's pretty well known, I believe, for uh, a lot of different things. But around the time he was editing the uh, the Ring, he was also the editor for Gore Verbinski's The Mexican Mouse Hunt, and uh, he was the editor for The Crow, also edited for Verbinski for all of his other films, including all the Pirates movies and uh, The Weatherman as well. And uh, anything else? The Road, he was the editor for that. I really like that apocalyptic film. Uh, and of course, the Lone Ranger again with Verbinski. He's he really likes working with Verbinski, and he also was a editor for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so yeah, he's he's got a big credential. A lot of these people that worked on this uh, the Ring film have gone on to do really big blockbuster franchises, um, whether it's Pirates or whether it's uh, Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type stuff pretty interesting uh but let me see if there's anything else we need to cover from behind the scenes music by hans zimmer i don't have to go through his filmography i mean he worked all the time he's worked in so many different uh films but did he was he the uh yeah he did the pirates of the caribbean series too um that's pretty interesting that gore Verbinski directed craig wood edited and Hans Zimmer were all the same individuals from The Ring 1 
as well as they were in Pirates of the Caribbeans, uh, one through three. They really kind of kept it consistent with the same guys. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised about that. Never saw Rango. I kind of makes me want to do a rewatch on the animated film Rango. Ironically, that has uh, Johnny Depp in there as well. Um, let me see if there's anything else we need to discuss. Distributed by DreamWorks uh, Production, McDonald and Parks Productions. Mm, running time, 115 minutes. What is that? Um, just under two hours. And yeah, $48 million budget. Brought back 249 box office. Um, yeah, that's pretty damn good return and it was uh, released on October 18th 2002 so they knew that they wanted to hit that scary time Halloween time uh, crowd and I, I don't blame them I mean why not I mean if you know that people want to get their scares up let's just you know try to cash in on that so what else do we have anything else about the technical so yeah like I said the, the movie is it's a it's a scary feature, but for the most part, it's not as scary as you think. I think the majority of this film is kind of a psychological mystery thriller with splashes of horror at the beginning, a little bit in the middle, and mostly at the end as well. Mostly with just kind of disturbing imagery and... Uh, interesting but not completely fully baked ideas i think the biggest issue for me with discussing the ring would probably be the fact is it feels like two movies smashed together it feels like they had the chunk of the meat or the chunk of the story at the beginning of the film and then added the vhs hook at the beginning where if you watch this scary tape you're going to die in seven days or the mcguffin kind of and then they added it at the very end um without going into too many spoilers i do feel like that is never explained to the point of oh that's why that's happening or oh that's how it's uh quote-unquote defeated or something like that i i do feel like I like scary stories when they have a fully thought out uh, storyline, I think, or a fully thought out MacGuffin. I, I do feel like the Doctor Strange 2 that just came out recently had so many MacGuffins all in the story that it almost became uh, flooded with just like, oh my gosh, this like, all right, we got to do this to fix that to get this. And then and that's how you defeat the thing and you win the day or whatever, win the game. I, I feel like the, the hook of the tape and the hook of the story do feel like apples and oranges of how this was created. Like, I do not feel like this was a fluently thought out movie from, okay, we're going to start with the tape and we're going to, uh, this is how you, you know, defeat the tape kind of thing. Uh, I have not seen the, marketing for the ring so i'm gonna go back and probably check that out here in a little bit but i'm assuming that the seven days uh phone call and all of that was shown in the trailer because i kind of remember from back in the day seeing that um 
that's that that part of the subplot or that part of the plot in the theaters or in the marketing so it's like you watch basically you watch this scary tape and you get a phone call from someone random saying oh you're gonna die in about seven days and you know it's, it's like uh okay so we have to uh kind of go along that line of thinking of all right well is it something scary or is it someone you know playing tricks and games on me like what is the what is the world that we're living in and so my whole thing about this is the uh the horror ghost aspects of this happening at all kind of are muddled in my opinion i found the imagery relatively creepy but not horrifying um the thing is like i said the plot feels a little bit half-baked and it feels like they've added things to the front and the end of this movie in between actually shooting it so with saying that i'd probably give this movie about a six out of ten i think that that's a fair assessment for it um I think that it mostly comes down to the lack of reception for me of understanding what's going on with the MacGuffin, like what's going on with the overarching uh, problem. Why is there all this creepy imagery? Why is it on a tape? Why is all this happening? I don't fully feel like it's thought out by the end of this uh, episode, by the end of this um, movie. Keep in mind, I've watched The Ring 1 and The Ring 2, so I kind of have them pretty fresh in my mind of thinking that, uh, you know, does the, does the story progress in a natural fashion? Um, without going into spoilers or really talking about the second one at all, I will say I think the first ring is well way more better put together as a film, more cohesive and more receptive to the audience mostly because um, it feels like a very fresh idea. So it's, it's just like a band coming out for the first time and it's their first album. The first movie does slap better than the second one because you, when the second one comes out, you're like, eh, I feel like I've heard these songs before or I've seen this imagery before. It's not as scary when you play it back to back. So I'm kind of one of the, the classic, classics kind of guy. I'm like the original OG ring not, not the Japanese one. I have not seen that one yet. But um, uh, from the first two American ones, I will say that the first one feels way more cohesive. So uh, be sure to go to patreon.com slash look it up podcast to get the full review. You will have the review early in your feed when you want it, when you need it, when you need it. And uh, you don't have to wait no seven days or anything like that. You don't have to play it on tape. You don't have to do any of that craziness. You can watch it, listen to it right now. Patreon.com slash Lug It Out Podcast. Thank you for listening, watching Lug It Out Podcast. Again, I give it about a six out of 10, mostly because of the, the cohesiveness just is, is not there for me of understanding why everything is happening. So uh, thank you for listening, watching Lug It Out Podcast. And take it easy. And for everyone else that is in the Patreon section, we have the full plot of Hello? The Rang.
Before you die, you see the ring. Ring. You saw it.